Welcome to Passion Life Church. Are you excited to be in church this morning? I believe today is going to be a powerful, powerful day. I hope you've been enjoying this series called The Catalyst that we've really been looking and doing an in-depth study, detailed study on the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I just truly believe even non-believers, they just love Jesus. I mean, you could talk about Jesus. They're not really about religion, but even a non-believer, man, they love Jesus, right? Jesus, oh, Jesus, great. And I love Jesus. And I, how many of you love Jesus? We love Jesus. But a lot, a lot of people understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And what's important for us to note is that Jesus, after he had died and he rose from the dead, he spent about 40 days walking around. People saw him. There was eyewitness accounts that Jesus had risen from the dead. And then he was ascending up to heaven and he was telling the disciples who had left everything. I, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Like, Jesus, like, we left everything for you. And, you know, you're going to go back to heaven. And he was telling them, look, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. In other words, listen, you're not going to be without my presence. My presence is going to come in a breath. The word spirit actually means in the New Testament, pneuma. It means breath. It's like wind in your sails. And, uh, and I'm going to send you my, my presence in the form of, a, of the spirit of God. And we talked about how even when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus said, here's the cause you know, we have to live for a cause. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is upon me because, and we outlined the cause. And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus can be on you. And that's so powerful, All right? And Jesus said, and he told the people that day when he read the scripture from Isaiah, he said, this is the cause, right? And we need to be living for a greater cause. And really the Holy Spirit comes to empower us to live for greater works in our lives, not just the eight to five or nine to seven. If you have a commute, come on, somebody. There's bigger, there's a bigger life that God has for you, greater works. And so he told the disciples as he was ascending, he said, I'm sending you another comforter. Jesus was their comforter. And so what he did was he sent them another comforter. We actually went through what the comforter means. And last week, the Holy Spirit is also called the spirit of truth. And so we went through and talked about what does that mean? And you can download all those messages for free uh, at passionlifechurch.com. You know, I entitled this catalyst because I think that it was one of word that just best defines what the Holy Spirit does. You know, a catalyst can move in. A catalyst is an agent. It's an element that can move into a power or persons and actually ignite change. It can actually accelerate growth and not be, be changed itself. That's what a catalyst does. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to accelerate growth. How many of you want to grow? He wants to grow. He wants us not to stay the same. Like Bobby said in worship, sometimes we can get stuck. Well, if we get stuck, we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say because he wants to accelerate growth. And let me just encourage you today. God has more for your life. Let me say it again. God has more for your life. You say, my, Pastor Phil, my life is great. Yeah, that, that's good. But you know what? He's got more for your life. And he can do more than you can even imagine or think. I love what we sang this morning. It says, you are good. Right? We sang you are good. If I were to ask you today, each one of you, what is your definition of good? All of us would have definitions of good. But can I tell you this? Not only is God good, but he can actually exceed our expectations. He can actually do more than good. Come on, somebody, in our lives. 
And so don't limit him by your imagination. Let your faith believe for the impossible to move you forward. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. And there, you know, there's more that God has for your life. And I have entitled today's uh, message, Be Filled. Everybody say that, Be Filled. Be Filled with the Spirit. You know, there are many words that describe the Holy Spirit when you look through the Bible. And actually, baptism is also a word that is used when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism in the biblical sense means to be immersed in. It doesn't just mean to be dunked under water. Now, let me tell you this. I have been baptized many times, and a lot of them had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Right? Um, nobody likes to be pushed in the pool. Ever been pushed in the pool? Right? Everybody loves it but you. Right? Because you're pushed in. Sometimes, hey, I've seen people, they're getting pushed in. And as soon as they're getting pushed in, they're like, here's my wallet. Right? And they're falling over. Here's my phone. And then, psh. Right? Nobody likes to get pushed in. I remember we were at a, like a carnival at our previous church. And unbeknownst to me, I was standing like this. But behind me was this long ice chest. It was probably about this big, like almost like a horse trough that had ice in it. I mean, not melted ice. Like it was ice. And I was standing right in front of it. And someone pushed me like that. And I fell straight back into that ice water. It felt like a million needles were in my body. I propped right back up. I was baptized, but that was not my decision. I've been in carnivals where they're like, let's put the pastor in the dunking booth. We'll make a lot of money. And so I was in the dunking booth and people are throwing and, uh, you know, and I would be talking smack. The guys would go up there and like, you throw like a girl. They would get mad. And then they would cheat. They would run up and hit the target. And the pastor would fall and be dunked, right, baptized. But nobody likes to be forced into water. You know, and I say that because when the Holy Spirit does a baptism in our life, it's never forced. He always leads us. He, the Bible talks about he leads us by still waters. And I think sometimes one of the barriers that we have is like, well, the Holy Spirit is just going to move me beyond my will. No, he won't. As a matter of fact, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it will move you. Do you know that when they came to get Jesus and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Roman guards came to him and they asked him one question, where is Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am he. And all of the guards fell flat on their back because of the power. And that can happen. We can be overwhelmed by his presence. Paul saw Jesus on his horse. He was riding his horse. Paul saw Jesus and fell off his horse. How many of you know Jesus can get you to get off your high horse? How many of you know? But Paul has just this encounter. I mean, he sees Jesus and he's overwhelmed. And I've seen it. We've seen it in services where people get overwhelmed with the presence of God. But let me just tell you, can I just be honest with you? If you don't want to be touched by the Holy Spirit, he's not going to touch you. If you want to walk away, he'll, he'll let you walk away. But here's his job. He wants to lead you. He wants to inspire you. That's what he wants to do. And what I want to do today is take some time and talk about three baptisms that really are available to us. And what I want you to do is I talk about these three baptisms. I want you to look at your life and go, which baptism do I need? Because here's the thing, as the Holy Spirit wants to accelerate your growth, as the Holy Spirit wants to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be, he, there's a next step that you'll need to take. And what he's going to do today is he's going to inspire you to take the next step. But I want you to look at these baptisms and go, maybe I need that one. 
Maybe, no, here's the next step. And here's the first baptism. Number one, the first baptism is we are baptized into Christ. We're baptized into Christ. It's really, what's important to know is that the Holy Spirit immerses you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that's the first baptism. When the Holy Spirit begins to draw you. You know, the Bible says that we can't even come to the Father unless we're drawn. The Holy Spirit is drawing people. Notice that, not forcing people. He's drawing people. He wants you to know the love of God. He wants you to know the miracle power that God has for you. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says this. So in Jesus Christ, you are all children of God through how? Through faith. Is it through works? No, it's through faith. It's our faith. This is how you access all the promises of God. This is how you receive forgiveness from God, by faith. This is how you receive salvation, by faith. This is how you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive it through faith. See, salvation is a gift that what you received. You didn't earn it. You got it by grace. And grace is what God gives. Faith is just a response to that grace. And so God gave you the gift of salvation, and you received it. So it says, so in Jesus Christ, you are all God through faith. For all of you were baptized, what is those words? Into Christ and clothed, and clothed. That, that word there means to enter into Christ. Here's the, the amazing thing. Listen, not only is Christ in you when you receive Jesus, the Bible says Christ in you is actually the hope of glory. So Christ is in you. So not only Christ is in you, but I think we don't talk about this. Not only is Christ in you, but you are in Christ. Not only is he in you, but you are in him. This is what I like to call the inner work. Now, everybody look at me because I think this can be a little confusing. I didn't know this because in this first baptism, you need to know you have the Holy Spirit. Come on. You have the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because he was the one that drew, drew you and was drawing you. He was the one that was drawing you to the Father. And so what he does is the Holy Spirit immerses you into this relationship with, with Jesus. Now, salvation is not a religion. Salvation saves you from your sin. Salvation gives you the God kind of life. There are a lot of things that happen in this baptism. Old things are washed away. You become a new person. But when you're baptized into Christ... The Bible actually says you're now a, the body of Christ. How do I know I'm in Christ, Pastor Phil? Because Christ now calls you his body. This is just as much Phil Valdez as this is, as this is. And we are the body of Christ. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And he values you so much that he actually uses the word you're my body. So when I go to Kmart, does anybody go to Kmart anymore? I, I, I always see it, but I'm like, anybody, I used to go to Kmart, but now we go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. Well, you go to Kmart, you go to Walmart, you go to Winco, wherever, wherever you go, you're the body of Christ. And we need to value that. We, I, we need to understand we're his body. He's the head, but he actually calls us and he actually calls us this. We are his bride. We are his church. Church is not a building. The church is a people, a moving force. Come on, somebody. You can give the Lord a good round of applause. Now, here's what's important to note. Every baptism has a purpose. Now, I'm going to mention a couple purposes because I, and, and I'm going to make things real simple. That's my job as a pastor, to take the cookies off the top shelf and bring them down to the lower shelf so everybody can have some cookies, right? And I promise you they are gluten-free cookies. Come on. 
for us Californians, right? Does it have gluten in it? No. Okay, it doesn't. We're a gluten-free church, right? And who gluten sets free is free indeed. That's right. Amen. Some of you, I found my church. Amen. And we're organic as well, just, just so you know that. We're an organic. People ask me, is this church growing? Yeah, it's growing organically. Oh, I love that. Good. Come on over. I don't know what it means, but great. Do you like it? <laughs> great. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. We are the body of Christ. Now, here is the purpose. Again, every baptism has a purpose. Let me put it this way. The purpose of being baptized into Christ is this. The purpose of being baptized into Christ is for eternal purposes so I can go to heaven. Does it have other benefits? Absolutely. But you get baptized into Christ, there's eternal purposes. You will spend eternity with God in heaven. Now, for some people, they want to stay at baptism number one. I love Jesus. Pastor Phil, I'm just going to sit around and wait to go to heaven. <gasps> There's rumors of wars. Oh, that's the end times. Jesus, you're coming back. Come back, Jesus. Come on. <gasps> come back. I'm just going to wait here for Jesus to come back. I have the first baptism. You know, the Bible tells us that we're not just supposed to sit and wait till Jesus comes. The Bible actually says that we're supposed to occupy till he comes. As a matter of fact, you're supposed to take as many people with you and help get as many people ready so that day when he returns, you're not the only one going. There's a dying world that needs this baptism. And listen, you have it, so you need to share it. We can't just sit around and wait for the rapture. Come on, somebody. And I believe we're in the end of the end times, but if Jesus doesn't come back in your lifetime, it would be a tragedy for you just to sit around and say, well, I'm just waiting for the rapture. I'm just waiting to go home and meet Jesus. I want people to meet Jesus on this earth. I want to, I want to be his body to people. So the purpose, this baptism is really for heavenly. Yeah, it gives you access to God as the father, all these things. But let me just say, primarily, it's for your relationship with Christ. Here's the second baptism. The second baptism is water baptism. And now, listen, this is a separate experience from salvation. This is a separate experience from salvation. You don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven, though. I, I want to say that because some people preach that, that you have to be water baptized to go to heaven. Now, why do, why do we not need to be water baptized to go to heaven? Because if we had to be water baptized to go to heaven, then that means it would be our work that would get us into heaven. And it's not our work that gets us into heaven. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? Our water baptism, though, does require your participation, though. It is an act of your will to say, Jesus commanded that we be water baptized. So you know what? I'm going to be water baptized. I'm going to go to heaven. You know what? Because of the first baptism. But guess what? I'm going to be water baptized. And I think that's important. But, you know, there is this, this war between churches and people that, you know, well, here's the reality. If you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven. And not only that, but the war is actually over too. what's being said while you're being baptized. Right. Right. That what the baptizer says over the baptizee is important because some people believe that, hey, listen, you have to baptize in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Then you have a whole other group of people say, no, nope, we just baptize in Jesus. Jesus name. Well, can I just tell you, by the way, when you get baptized at Passion Life Church, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus name. So we got it all covered. 
right? We got it all covered. Don't, don't worry about it. But listen to me. You're not going to get to heaven one day. You're not going to get to heaven one day and say, Jesus, I'm here. And he's going to say, um, sorry, you didn't know this, but while you were being baptized, the guy that was baptizing you didn't say the right thing. You were underwater, but you, you, did, you didn't know that. I'm sorry, I, I can't let you in. But here's the purpose of water baptism. The purpose of water baptism is for declaration purposes. It's a declaration of your faith. It's actually an outward sign of an inward commitment. Or let me say it this way. It's an outward sign to everyone else, including yourself, of a inward faith. It is a public declaration that I am going to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? That's why we put you in the water. This is why at Passion Life Church, we don't sprinkle babies, right? We don't baptize babies. Why? Because babies don't know what's happening, right? And I would encourage you, listen, this may be your next baptism. Well, Pastor Phil, I was baptized as a baby. Well, that's awesome. Do you remember that? See, we baptize people when they understand what it means. That's what's so important, right? And that's why you come into the water and you are identifying with Jesus' death. You go, right, under burial. And some people, some lady told me one time, can you keep my husband under there just a little bit longer? He's got a bunch of issues. I said, sure, you just have to give more in the offering. No, I'm kidding. So that one will get you. I was holding him down. Get the demons out. All right. And so you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens. Now, I don't know why God planned it that way. I have seen people come out. I mean, it's a simple going under and coming up. But anything you do in faith attracts God. It's not just a, a ritual. Listen, I've seen people come out of that water crying, shouting, declaring something. There. And, and so listen, this baptism and the purpose is not only for a public declaration, right, for you, but it's also a public declaration for the community around you that when you go to work and they say, what'd you do this weekend? So I was baptized. And not only for you, a public declaration, but I'll tell you what, in June, we're going to have a baptism. And right after the service, we head out to the pool and a majority of people show up over there because we have free food. But anyway, so they show up over there. Some, I just like to tell myself they're really going for the baptism. But so they head over there. Right. And when you come out of that water, we're going to celebrate because you know what? When you declare that it's important for our church. So it's not only important for you, it's important for the community, but it's important for our church to see you make a public declaration. And can I just encourage you, I want to say it again, if you don't remember being water baptized, do it again. Do it again. Sign up. We'll make a sign-up sheet for June. I believe it's going to be the first Sunday in June and say, I need to be water baptized. Now, you don't need to be water baptized if you haven't been baptized into Christ first. So first, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And second, the Holy Spirit, this catalyst, wants to move you into a public declaration to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Why is it important that we make a public declaration? Listen to what Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says. It says, whoever acknowledges me before men. 
I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So here is the baptism number two is water baptism. And maybe you've been water baptized. You've been baptized into Christ. That's your salvation experience. But here's the third one. The Bible talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus was giving these last instructions to his disciples and they were, they were witnessing them. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, 49 Jesus was saying this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Everybody say this, say the Holy Spirit is a promise that God gives us. I want you to say this, the Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives us. God has given you so many gifts. I'm telling you, if he never gave you anything else, he gave you Jesus. But then as Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised that he wouldn't leave you, that he would send his Holy Spirit. God promised. That's a promise that he made. And so he was telling these disciples, he said, look, I'm going to send you my father what he has promised. Now, listen, everybody say this with me. Say, but stay. So they were in the city and Jesus says, I want you to stay, stay when until you have been clothed with power from on high. So what happens was Jesus is saying, I don't want you to leave this city until you receive this promise. And this promise is going to bring power to you. See, here's what we need to know about God. God always empowers people for them to do what he has called them to do. I've had people compliment me a lot. You know, they say, Pastor Phil, love the message, man. And then they'll say this, I could never get up there in front of people. I, hey, I understand that, but you need to know something. I'm empowered to do this. It doesn't bother me at all. I love it. I love seeing you looking at me. I just wish sometimes you could see your face looking at me. I think some of you are like, yeah. Some of you look a little constipated. Like, I don't know if it's just like, hey, I gotta go, I gotta go. Okay, hurry up, buddy. And then some of you are like, like you want to receive, right? But I'm empowered to do this. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things. He brings gifts into our lives. He brings fruit into our lives. And we're actually going to outline the gifts next week. And here's the reality. Until you start functioning in the gifts and purposes of God, you'll never be fulfilled in your life. Never be fulfilled in your life. But he always empowers you to do something. Acts 1.8 says this, because all of uh, the, it, it tells us what the Holy Spirit does, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Everybody say that with me. Say power. You shall receive power, what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. This word power means dunamis. It's kind of where we get the word dynamite. It means this, it means strength. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, here's some more things that he will do. He strengthens you. You know, this word power means this, ability. I, you know, when I hear people say, well, I just can't do that, I'm just not able. No, you are well able, not because of you, but because you have the catalyst moving in you who brings power to your life to able to do something. And let me just encourage you, because maybe some of you, you're like your, your, your parents and you're just like, ah, I can't do this. You know, like, come on, he's only one. You can do this. 
But guys, you are able in Jesus' name. You have power. Oh yeah, I can't figure out the stuff at my work. It's a lot. You are able in Jesus' name because you have the catalyst work inside of you. You know what this word power also means? It actually actually means in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, not only does it mean strength, power, ability, it actually means moral excellence. Remember we talked about that? How when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, he comes to bring moral excellence into your life. See, here's, here's the dilemma for a lot of people. They're trying to live a moral, excellent life without God. They're trying to live a moral, excellent life without the power to do it. And I'm telling you, you can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried. And I know some of you are real disciplined. I get it. I've seen your biceps. Come on, somebody. I'm like, do you have a gun permit for that? Because them things are illegal. You're disciplined. But you know what? A sheer act of the will cannot make you overcome certain things in life. You need a supernatural power. And you know what I love? Listen to me. See, this is gonna change the way you think about God. See, some of you are like, well, I, I, you know, I just can't get over this, I can't. And you're mad at God. Listen, God could withhold his power and just say, okay, you do it, buddy. But you know what he does? He makes access to his power, the ability available to you if you'll say, Lord, baptize me in your spirit baptize me. I need the power. So many people are living with a power shortage in their life. They're living with a power shortage. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit comes to give you power, you know, and I think it's important because the Bible actually outlines the difference between these two baptisms, water baptism, water being baptized into Christ. Look at Acts chapter eight, verse 14. It says, when the apostles when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not come upon them, any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now notice what Acts chapter 8 verse 14 is doing. It's separating, right? These verses are actually separating the baptism into Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he, they sent Peter and John because they knew they had the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me kind of illustrate how this works, right? I had this water bottle here. And so this is salvation. I take this water bottle, right? And I drink within me, right? Let's just say that's the inner working of the Holy Spirit. And he has so many things that he brings to our life. But how many of you know I can drink this like this, which is great, but there's a difference between me drinking and jumping into a pool. When I jump into that pool, I am totally immersed in the water. And when I'm immersed in the water, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's being immersed into the Holy Spirit. Not only an inner work, but an outer work. See, there's water. To illustrate this another way, there's water inside this water bottle. If I were to throw this water bottle to you, you can catch it, right? There's water. Here's the Holy Spirit. This is baptism into Christ. But if I take this water and I throw it into a pool, when I throw the water into a pool, it is totally immersed in the water. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
is the power that comes upon you. And this baptism has a purpose, right? We said the first baptism, the purpose is eternal. The second baptism, the purpose is a declaration purposes. But check this out. This baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of it is so you can live with power on earth. So you can live with power on earth. Because God knew it's not just going to be all about heaven. And don't get me wrong. The things that we do here have eternal consequences and it's affecting eternity. If I pray with someone to be baptized into Christ, they receive Jesus, they're going to be with me in heaven because of what I do here affects the heavens, right? So heaven is important. Making a declaration of our faith is important. But you know what? Jesus thought and God thought of everything. He says, you know what? You're going to need some power just to live on this earth. Come on, somebody. You're going to need some power to help you live while you were on earth this earth. And let me ask you a question. So what would be your next step for baptism? What would be your next step? Now I want to show you what happens when the disciples get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and they were filled. Remember, they were waiting for the promise of the Father. And when they were waiting in the upper room, it was them and some other people. The Bible says that there was a mighty wind. What did we say that the word for spirit is? Wind, right? Pneuma is the word. That's the best way you could describe it. The translators translated it spirit. Some translator <laughs> translated it ghost, right? Holy ghost. And some people like to use that. Some people don't because some people do not want to have a relationship with any ghost, right? That's right, right? And so that's how they translate. But it actually means wind. Spirit means wind, but they translated it spirit. And the Bible says they were waiting in the upper room, and then the whole place began to shape, shake, and all of a sudden, tongues of fire came over their head. And look in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say that, filled. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to saturate every part of your being. Every part of you. And, and can I just tell you from experience, the parts that the Holy Spirit, that you don't allow him to saturate are the parts that are gonna hurt your life the worst. This what I, you know, God will give you this. God will give you this. God will give you this. God, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you my, my time, but I won't you give you my money. I'll give you my money, but I won't give you my time. God, you can have this part of my life. And the parts that you give to him, you will see fruit. You will see succeed. But the parts that you hold back and say, you can't saturate this part. I've seen in years of ministry, those are the parts that hold you back. They actually even start to affect the other parts. But they were filled. He wants to saturate every part of your being. And listen, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. Watch this. As the Spirit gave them utterance. So look at the result. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in new tongues. They began to speak in new tongues. Now, this is a supernatural language. And this, this is pretty funny because they come out of this room and there's people from every walk of life. There's people in different nationalities. They see the disciples come out of this room and they're speaking in tongues. Well, the disciples and these people are speaking in tongues, but the ones that were there are hearing their native dialect. They're like, what? He's speaking my language. What? He's speaking Spanish. 
Oh my God. Oh, he's speaking this. And some people thought they were actually drunk because there's a lot of correlations in the Bible. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. See, I know you use wine, right? To dumb things down in your life. You know, Pastor Phil, I got a lot going on, man. I got a lot of stress. Well, you know what you need? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what is going to empower you to break through anxiety, to empower you to break through and overcome. And it's funny because a lot of the characteristics of being drunk and the Holy Spirit are exactly the same. When you get drunk, most people get bold. They say stupid stuff and they love it too because they're like, I was drunk. I, I know you were drunk, but you still said it. Notice I didn't get any amens on that. It's like being drunk becomes the excuse of why I was a turd, right? Can I say turd in church? Well, I was just drunk, you know. And what happens? Then you realize you have more problems. But the Bible says be filled with the Spirit. But drunk people get, get bold. You know what? People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak bold things, not that they regret, but bold things for God. They become witnesses for God. Why? Because it's not their own strength, right? That's why the disciples turned the world upside down. It wasn't their own strength. That's why they were so contagious. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's funny is people thought they were drunk, but also people were like, aren't those people from Galilee? Galileans were known as not the smartest people. And so when they came out, as a matter of fact, they were known for people that pretty much spoke one language. And the, the connotation was they only spoke one language because they didn't have the intellect to be able to learn other languages. So when the Galileans, when the disciples came out and they were speaking all of these dialects, the people couldn't understand what was happening, right? And so I want to break this down for you in the time that we have together. You know, let me explain what tongues is and what tongues is not, right? Speaking in tongues is not a status symbol that makes me better than you. As a matter of fact, speaking in tongues makes me better than me. That's what it does. Think, I got one you who. We're going now. I feel the Holy Spirit. Tongues are not a shortcut to instant spiritual maturity. Tongues are not this hypnotic, uncontrollable, zombie-like state in which a person has no control over their faculties. Have you ever been walking at work and all of a sudden you yell, Jesus! Have you ever done that? No. And I think when it comes to speaking in tongues, that's what we think. All of a sudden, we're going to be at work, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us, and then we're just going to go ballistic. And they're going to call the cops. And it's like, guys, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. He leads, and he guides. And listen, the Bible says that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in other words, they had something to do with it. The Holy Spirit used their mouth. And so when they began to open up their mouth, there was a supernatural language, right? But the Holy gift, the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not a long lost gift. It actually is operational and functioning in the body of Christ today. You say, Pastor Phil, I think that that was just for those people. Well, you know what? Not only did it happen for the apostles, right? But to, to be honest, the apostle Paul actually writes and he talks and he addresses us that are skeptical in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. He says this, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Well, that's not me. Well, he says all. All. And he says, but even more, that, that, you, that you prophesy. 
He says, I wish you all, I want you all to experience this infilling of the Holy Spirit, this baptism number three, because when you do, there's some things that is gonna happen. And let me just end in our time together and give you like three, just three things uh, that happens when we, when we speak in tongues. Number one, the speaking in tongues, it's a Holy Spirit inspired speech. It's supernatural, guys. Now, this is hard. This is hard for the American church, right? Because we don't like anything that is out of our control. I, I won't ask for a, a show of hands of how many control freaks we have in the house today. But I will tell you, this is tough when you start talking about supernatural because it's no longer natural. And when it's no longer natural, that means that you could probably not have a control over it. In terms of what do I mean by that is that we're going to start to see that God is going to use a supernatural language that you're not going to understand. It's a supernatural speech to communicate with God in a language unknown to the speaker. That's why it's hard for people, right? And like I said, you're not going to be walking down the street and start yelling stuff out. No, but here's the reality. You're not going to understand what's happening because it is supernatural. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse two. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? He speaks to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. One translation says this, he's speaking divine secrets. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 says this, if I pray in a tongue, if I pray in a tongue, it's called an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Everybody say that, my spirit prays. Do you know? that your spirit wants to pray? Your spirit wants to pray, why? God is a spirit. Now, we pray with both. Today we prayed in our understanding, what the Bible talks about it with our understanding. You pray with your mind. But everybody look at me this morning. How many of you would admit today that your mind is limited? I've been in situations where my mind didn't even know what to pray. I didn't know what to pray anymore. I prayed the scriptures that I knew, and even the Holy Spirit in that brought scriptures back to my remembrance, but I've been in some life and death situations where I didn't even know what to pray anymore. Well, guess what? God doesn't just leave you there. He actually gives you the Holy Spirit and your spirit can begin to pray. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, watch this, but my mind is unfruitful. This is why it's hard for some people because now your spirit takes over. And for some people, because they're so intellectual, everything that they can't figure out, they just walk away from. Can I tell you, then you're gonna have a hard time with faith because faith actually has to believe when it doesn't see. Faith has to actually believe when it doesn't make sense. I don't know how, I honestly don't know how a polka dotted cow can eat green grass and give me white milk, but you know what? Milk does the body good. It ain't gonna stop me from eating, drinking some milk. We don't understand it. And it's funny because there's a lot of things in life we don't understand, but when it comes to spiritual things, we're like, uh, I don't understand that. Listen, Exactly. If we had a God that you could figure out and understand, then he wouldn't be God. There is someone who's higher than you. There's someone who thinks higher than you. There's someone, I don't know if I should say this. I don't know. I'm going to say it to the screen. There's somebody that knows more than you. And thank you, Jesus. Because we don't know it all. I know, I know we think and pretend and we got Google. 
but God knows more than Google. Oh, you could tweet that. Come on, somebody. And he is at your disposal for you to access. But he says, when I pray in the spirit, my spirit starts to pray. Watch this. And my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. So he's not just saying, listen, just pray with your spirit. He says, you need to pray with both. So for me, I pray with the things that I can think about and I pray with my spirit about the things that I don't uh, know and I don't understand. But the source of the speech, listen, comes from the spirit. Comes from the spirit, not your head. Now, I'm talking about a private prayer life. I'm gonna talk about the gift of tongues. It's totally different. It's, it, 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 it's, it's something different. That's public. This is private use. Now, some people think, well, it's only for public. No, no, no. When you have a public and it's used in a public forum, then you need an interpreter. But you know what? God has given us a prayer life that is spiritual, that you can use. I pray every day in the Holy Spirit. And you know why? Here's number two, because the Bible says it edifies us. It edifies, watch this. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four says this, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So as I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, watch, I'm edifying myself. You know what that word edify in the Greek means? It means to build up. It means this, to charge up. You know, like when you get your phone and you charge it into the wall, you put it into the wall because it needs to be charged for use. Can I just tell you, you need a charge this morning. You need to be built up. And have you ever woke up and felt the funk? Have you ever woke up and you don't know why you're feeling funky, but you're feeling funky? I mean, everything's good. Things are good. You woke up and you're just kind of like, man, I'm just feeling the funk today. I feel funky. You know what? Sometimes you need a supernatural charge from the Holy Spirit to build you up. That's what we need. And we can try. You can drink tons of coffee all day. You can do that. But there is nothing that can build you up like the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. Jude 20, verse 25 says this, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if you're struggling with doubt, you need to pray in tongues. You need to pray in the Holy Spirit because you know what? It builds up your most holy faith. There are forces that are working against your life. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We always think the problem is people. Ah, it's people. It's, no, actually, there are actually forces, the Bible says, spirits that are contrary to the work. The Bible actually talks about even familiar spirits. Do you know that there are spirits that know your past? There are spirits that know how you lived your life. That's why some people will go to a fortune teller and they're like, oh my gosh, they knew exactly. Yeah, you know what they're operating under? Familiar spirits. They're actually putting up their antenna and then instead of listening to God, they're listening to demonic powers that know everything about you, that are studying you, that know all about your past. And I'm telling you today that there are forces that are coming, demonic forces that are contrary to you. And sometimes you don't know why you're doubting. You don't know why things are happening. Can I just encourage you? You need to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to be built up on your most holy faith. Come on, somebody, because you need the strength. 
You can't defeat the devil on your own turf. If you get in his ring with you and just the natural, he will beat you. But you know what? You are not a natural person. You are a supernatural being. And he is a defeated foe because why? What Jesus did on the cross. But so many people are trying to fight in their own strength. God never meant for you to fight in your own strength. He gives you power. You have power today of the Holy Spirit. That's why this baptism is so important. Are you glad you came to church today? So it's a Holy Spirit-inspired speech. It edifies us. And here's number three and the last one for today. It helps us pray when we don't know how. This right here has helped me so much. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, you're going to love this. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps our what? I know you don't have any, but let's just pretend like, ready? Helps our what? Our weaknesses. Don't need to raise your hand. I wonder how many of us in this room and listening to the podcast today would say, I have weaknesses. I wonder how many of us today would be honest enough to say, I have weaknesses that I've really tried to get over, and I can't. I can't. Here's the great news. You have a catalyst in your life, the Holy Spirit. And what he does, his job is to help you in your weaknesses. Now, everybody look at me. A catalyst can come into your life make a change and not be changed itself. This is why some people are like, Pastor, I, I don't want the Holy Spirit. He's holy and, and, and I'm not. And, and, and I, let me get over this first before I invite him in. No, you don't understand what the catalyst does. The catalyst comes in and helps you in your weakness. It doesn't change him. It changes you. And so he comes into your life to what? Help you in our weaknesses. Let me say this and I'm going to move on. But you got to admit that you got weaknesses. You got to admit that. He helps us in our weaknesses. Watch. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself, watch this. He intercedes for us with groanings. There's that word. Tongues, which cannot, we cannot even express. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according to the will of God. Are you ready for this? Check this out. So I'm in a situation. I don't know what to pray. I prayed what I thought I needed to pray, but it doesn't end there. You know, there's more. Watch what happens is as I begin to open up my mouth because I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with his Holy Spirit. When I begin to speak in tongues, watch this. My spirit begins to pray. Your spirit acknowledges God. The Bible says he searches, right? So he knows everything that God knows because he's God. And here's what he does. He starts to pray the perfect prayer that needs to to be prayed at that moment through you when you speak and speak in tongues. This is what is so amazing, right? Is that people always ask me, Pastor Phil, I don't know why God just doesn't intervene. He didn't intervene because you didn't invite him. He only intervenes when you pray. When you pray, you have to, remember Jesus said, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, right? He says, what does he talk about his will on earth as it is in heaven? He says, we're supposed to pray that. Why? If you want heaven in your life, you need to pray it down because God just doesn't do stuff. He's given us a will. He wants to be invited. So here's what happens. When I pray in, in the spirit, I'm inviting God to intervene and I'm praying the perfect prayer that needs to be prayed for that situation that is beyond what I can think. It's beyond what even I may know. And God, you can see a miracle in your life. Listen, because your spirit prayed what needed to be prayed. Man, that's really powerful. That's why I tell people this baptism, if you don't have it, you are missing out. I'm telling you, he knows the perfect prayer. I told somebody the other day, I was like, it's, it's like God cheats. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, he, he knows what needs to be prayed, but here's what he does. If you open up your mouth, he'll give you the exact thing to pray so he can move. So he can move right in your life, anytime. You're like, Pastor Phil, I'm stuck. You may be stuck, and one of the reasons why you're stuck is you can't see the future, but you need to start praying in the spirit, and you need to start praying that God is gonna move, because you, you may not even know what mountains need to be moved. You don't even know what people at work are working against you and plotting against you and trying to climb the corporate ladder. You know what? All you need to do is pray in the spirit and God will pray the perfect prayer. And I want to end with this today. You know, I looked up that word in the Greek. He helps us in our weakness. You know what it actually means? This word weakness means infirmities, right? A want of strength. Weak. It actually even means a weakness in your body. Today, if you have physical ailments, if you've been diagnosed with things, you know what you need? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He'll quicken your mortal body. It means want of strength in your body. It means, listen, this word helps us in our weakness. Weakness means this, to understand a thing. You're having stuff you don't understand, pray in the Spirit. God will show you. Listen, it also means this, the word weakness, to do things great and glorious. The only way we're going to do greater works. Remember Jesus said, I want you to do greater works than I have because I go to the Father. This is how we do great works, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this one? It actually means weakness, helps us in our weakness, means this, to restrain from corrupt desires. You know who's going to help you in that addiction? The Holy Spirit. Look at me. He's not against you. He's for you. He's for you today. Do you think God is going, man, I hope they don't get over that addiction? Or do you think God is in your corner saying, let's overcome this thing together? Right? That word helps us in our weaknesses. In the Greek, it means this as well, to bear trials and troubles. Well, it's got a lot of trials, got a lot of troubles. Well, here's the good news. You have a catalyst that's in your life. You have the Holy Spirit. All right. Now I want to end with this. This is, I think this is so cool. Here's the implication in the Greek language. It means this when it says that he helps us in our weakness. It means this, the Holy Spirit takes hold together with you against your weaknesses. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit, right? Here's what he does. He, he takes hold together with you against your weaknesses. You're not alone, my church family. He's the catalyst. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.